The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC. Huskers have two timeouts remaining, and Scott Frost will use one right here. 48-yard try for Keith Duncan. Nebraska does have one timeout left. The snap is down. The kick is on the way by Duncan, and there was a timeout first. The timeout was called before the kick. Nobody's got a timeout left. Iowa trying to win their fifth straight game against Nebraska, and in rivalry week, what would you rather do, Matt, than end the season of one of your rivals? 48-yard try for the lead. Six seconds to go. The hold is down. The kick on the way. Curling back down the middle, and it's good. One second remains as Iowa takes a 27-24 lead. He drilled that thing under a lot of pressure, Kevin. That's a big-time kick. And the Hawkeyes win their fifth straight against the Huskers. 27-24. Iowa defeats Nebraska, ending the Huskers' 2019 season at 5-7. Hello everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our special Holiday Bowl Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Scott Docterman and Steve Batterson who preview the Iowa-USC game. And we have Camp's Big Breakdown, John Camp's look at Big Ten football bowl games. And you'll hear from head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about the Holiday Bowl and facing Southern Cal. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our regular football programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, along with award-winning sports writer John Camp. The Iowa-Nebraska game highlights are courtesy of BTN, with announcers Kevin Kugler and Matt Millen. Hope you enjoyed that opening cut from the end of the Hawkeyes win at Nebraska. We very much appreciate it and thank them. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes face the University of Southern California Trojans in the 2019 Holiday Bowl in San Diego, Friday, December 27th, with kickoff set for 7 p.m. at SDCCU Stadium, a grass field with a seating capacity of 70,561. The Hawkeyes have been designated as the home team for this game, and both teams are on a bit of a roll coming into this contest. Iowa won its last three games to finish the regular season at 9-3 and 6-3 three and six and three in the Big Ten, and a win on Friday would give the Hawkeyes another 10-win season. The Hawkeyes' three defeats were by a combined total of 14 points to Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin. USC has won its last three games and five of the last six. The Trojans' record in the regular season is 8-3 and three overall, 7-2 and two in the Pac-12. Southern Cal's losses came to BYU, Washington, and 
Notre Dame, and Oregon. In the polls, Iowa is ranked 16th in the CFP rankings and 19th by both the coaches and the AP. Southern Cal is 22nd in the CFP and 22nd in the AP and 23rd by the coaches. USC leads this limited series 7-2 and won the last game played between the two teams in the 2003 Orange Bowl 38-17. Iowa last defeated the Trojans in Los Angeles all the way back in 1961. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is the dean of college football coaches, the winningest coach in program history, and in the top five and wins in Big Ten history. His record over 21 years at Iowa, 161 and 104. The Hawkeyes are the only college in the nation to have just two head coaches dating all the way back to 1979, Ferentz and Hayden Fry. USC head coach Clay Helton is in his fifth season with the Trojans, compiling a 40-21 and record at the school. The Hawkeyes are making their 33rd bowl game appearance. It's their fourth in the Holiday Bowl. Iowa is 2-0-1 in those Holiday Bowl games, defeating San Diego State 39-38 in 1986, Wyoming 20-19 in 1987, and tying Brigham Young 13-13 in 1991. It's said that this was Hayden Fry's favorite bowl. Iowa is third in the Big Ten in bowl appearances since 2001 and are bowl eligible for the 18th time under Ferentz. The Hawkeyes are 3-7 and all-time in bowl games against Pac-12 teams, and the last win was over Washington in the 1995 Sun Bowl. The most recent defeat was 45-16 at the hands of Stanford in the 2016 Rose Bowl. In game notes, three Hawkeyes reached All-American status after the regular season concluded. Place kicker Keith Duncan became the 26th player in school history to become a consensus All-American. That's the 11th player under Ferentz to do so. The other two Iowa stars receiving All-American honors are offensive lineman Tristan Wirfs and defensive end A.J. Epinesa, both of whom are likely playing their last games for the Hawks next season. They'll almost certainly be playing on Sundays. Duncan was also named the Big Ten Kicker of the Year and now holds the conference and Iowa record with 29 made field goals in a season, and that's also sixth all-time in NCAA history. Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley is starting in his third bowl game with a record in those contests so far of 2-0. He is just one of five QBs in Iowa history to start three or more bowl games. And Iowa's defense continues to be ranked highly in key categories. The Hawkeyes are in the top 12 in the FBS in scoring, passing, and total defense. They are sixth in the country in scoring defense, surrendering only 13.2 points per game. In tidbits and nuggets, the Iowa team continues to mourn the loss of two of the most beloved and successful figures in Iowa athletics, and it will be honoring both long-term athletic director Bump Elliott and legendary coach Hayden Fry in this game. For Fry, the Tiger Hawk has been removed from the helmets. As you might recall, it was Fry who directed the creation of that now iconic logo. And speaking of legendary head coaches, the Trojans' Howard Jones, who coached at USC from 1920. 
1925 to 1940, won four national championships there and five Rose Bowls. Jones was also Iowa head coach from 1916 to 1923, where he won the national title in 1921. Jones was also the Hawkeyes athletic director from 1917 to 1924 and their baseball coach in 1919. This holiday bowl will be televised on FS1 with announcers Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, and Jenny Taft. It will be broadcast on the Hawkeyes radio network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will also be available on satellite radio, XM Channel 196, and Sirius Channel 138. And broadcast school has really paid off. Let's hear from Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who discusses the invitation for his Hawkeyes to play in this season's Holiday Bowl in San Diego and the prospect of facing the University of Southern California. Just really thrilled to be invited, and uh, you know, most uh, sincere appreciation and thanks to uh, you know, Mark Neville, who's the president of, of the Holiday Bowl Committee, and just their entire committee for having faith in our football team and inviting us to such a great, uh, great ball game. So we're, we're certainly honored and excited to be going down there. And um, again, I think uh, Iowa fans, at least uh, some that have been around a while, know just what a great bowl experience it is. It's a tremendous uh, venue to host a bowl. They do a great job uh, as a committee of making everybody feel extremely welcome. And uh, I think our players can be really excited about that opportunity. We're excited about that. And then also part of the equation, uh, this has been an unusual preparation, really is going to require some flexibility, already has, because it's very, very unusual in terms of the calendar setup. So it's it's really atypical. It really feels more like uh, we had a double bye than it does uh, getting ready for a bowl prep. So pretty much uh, everything that we've done in the past, we kind of threw that out and kind of started from scratch. Uh, It's kind of like the exact opposite of the last time we played Southern Cal in in the Orange Bowl in 03. The bottom line is we're going out there to play a game against a really outstanding opponent, and uh, you don't have to say much. If you think about USC, the tradition of that program, uh, the success they've had, the great individual players, the coaches that have gone there or gone through there, it's just a, you know, it's, it's a who's who. So they've had a couple close losses, a lot of good victories. They've got good players. We don't recruit in the same neighborhood. Probably since Tony Moyaki and Dace Richardson came through, uh, we don't recruit in the same neighborhood typically. they got uh, really elite players, and I know they have a freshman quarterback that stepped in and did a great job, great receivers. So we're, we're going to have our, our work cut out for us, that's for sure. The bottom line is we're going to have to really do a great job of utilizing what time we do have. And when we are practicing, uh, as limited as it may be, we really have to be spot on with our practice and our preparation so we can go out and at least play to the best of our ability. And I know it's going to take every bit of that to, to have a chance to play successfully against a team like this. That music means Bonenkamp's big breakdown is next. You can follow John Bonenkamp on Twitter, at John Bonenkamp, and you can read John's articles on Sports Illustrated's Hawkeye Maven at si.com forward slash college forward slash Iowa. John calls in next to talk Big Ten football with the latest numbers from the Points Bet Sportsbook Catfish Bend Casino in Burlington. 
So, John, nine Big Ten schools were selected for postseason bowl games this year. Let's start right at the top, and we're going to go by date and time, except for the Holiday Bowl, which, as usual, will do last the Iowa game. So let's start with Friday, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, Michigan State versus Wake Forest, 2.20 p.m. Central Time, ESPN. Oh, yeah, we start with the best bowl game of them all. Um, no, seriously. You know, you got 6-6 six and six Michigan State, lucky to be playing, I guess, this time of year, as bad as they ended the season against Wake Forest. Surprisingly, the Spartans are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, over under 49-and-a-half. I find that one a little interesting. I, 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 you know, I don't know a whole lot about Wake Forest, but you know, I know how that Michigan State team limped into the postseason. So I, to find them favored and, and you know, by more than a field goal is really interesting. Over under seems about right. I don't see a whole lot of points in this game. Okay, Saturday, December twenty eighth, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, number ten Penn State versus number seventeen Memphis. That's an eleven a.m. game. Kickoff on ESPN. Yeah, Penn State's a seven point favorite. Uh, over under of 60 and a half. So Vegas is thinking this could be kind of a high scoring game. This will be kind of a, an interesting game because I, you know, Penn State, Penn State's played well all year. I mean, they just had the, the misfortune of being in the same division with Ohio State. But this is a really good Memphis team. And this is a Memphis team that can put up a lot of points. So, um, you know, that's why I think that over under is, is where it's at. I think, you know, I think Vegas is seeing this is, is somewhere around the 30 to 27 game or, you know, maybe something, maybe 30 to 23 or something like that. I don't know. But, um, but, you know, you know, Penn State, that, that line seems a little high for them, but uh, because I think Penn, because uh, I think Memphis is a pretty good football team, and I mean, you go 12-1, and one, uh, there's something there, so I mean, I'll be curious to see how that one plays out. Also on Saturday, December 28th, this is a, not a typical bowl game. It's the Fiesta Bowl and a national semifinal between number two, Ohio State, number three, Clemson, 7 p.m. Central Time, also on ESPN. Clemson, two and a half point favorites. I found that one really interesting. Uh, over under 63 so I think Vegas is saying this can be a high-scoring game. Yes, this, I mean, Ohio State's been has played well all year. I'm surprised they're not favored, but I think maybe Vegas is, is leaning a little bit to Clemson just for the experience of always being in this playoff game. Uh, nobody really has a home field advantage. It's in Arizona, long way for both those teams to travel. You know, I, I kind of like the I like the Buckeyes in this game. I, I'd go with them plus two and a half. The over-under seems about right. May, it might be a little bit under, I think, by the time it, and that may move down a little bit, but uh, I, I like Ohio State to, to be plus two and a half in this game. Just as a, an aside here, who do you think they'll face if they win this game for the national championship? Um, I think that, that LSU team is really good. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I, I just think that that's, that's just a really good game. And and, and I, I think it's what everybody wants to see. And I mean, I think that one start, that one looks like a video game when, when it's all said and done. I think I think you're going to have a lot of points in that one. Let's jump ahead to Monday, December 30th. You have the Red Box Bowl, the Fighting Illini in a bowl again against California, 3 p.m. kick on Fox. You know, this is a game I was kind of hoping maybe Iowa would slide to if some things happened. But because you know, I think it would be kind of a fun trip to to Santa Clara playing in an NFL stadium playing where the 49ers play. Cal's a six and a half point favorite over under 43. Yeah, it's a good Illinois team. I, I think that's, I think right now, you know, they were, again, they were kind of lucky.
lucky to get into a bowl game at six and six. I think Cal probably overmatches them a little bit. I think that's why that line is the way it is. I think Cal covers uh, over under, as I said, 43. Um, you know, that seems about right. I don't know how many, I don't know if Illinois gets a lot of points in this game. January 1st, uh, Wednesday this year, the Rose Bowl game presented by some company or other. Uh, <laughs> it's the granddaddy of all bowls, as people say, and it's number eight, Wisconsin versus number six, Oregon. That's a 4.10 p.m. kickoff on ESPN, and that looks like that could be a really good game. Badger, then that's Badger's a three-point favorite. Uh, over under 51 and a half. Vegas doesn't think a whole lot of points are going to be scored in this game. Uh, and I don't think they will either. I think Wisconsin, Wisconsin's defense has just been so good all year. Um, you know, I mean, they're going to be tested a little bit. Oregon plays a different style than, than maybe what they're used to seeing. And, you know, the Rose Bowl always seems to be a trap sometimes for some of these Big Ten teams. But I think Wisconsin wins this game. And I, I think maybe I think maybe the over-under, maybe it's going to be a little bit under, I think, by game time. Also on New Year's Day, the Citrus Bowl, number 14, Michigan versus number 13, Alabama. A lot of us are pleased that we don't have to watch Alabama in the playoffs. This is a noon kick, ABC. Yeah, and again, another game that I thought maybe Iowa could get to if things fell their way on, on that selection Sunday. Um, you know, Michigan kind of kind of stumbles into this game a little bit. Alabama, when, whenever Alabama doesn't make the playoffs, and which is rare, um, when, when they're not in one of those last two games, uh, they can be really angry in some of these games. So they're a seven-point favorite, over under 58 and a half. I just don't see Michigan winning this one. Um, I think Alabama covers pretty easily, and I think maybe this one might even be right. Yeah, I, I think maybe you might want to go with the over on this one. Third Big Ten game, bowl game on New Year's Day, the Outback Bowl, number 18 Minnesota versus number 12 Auburn. That's a noon kick, also on ESPN. Also shapes up as an interesting game. Yep, Auburn's seven-point favorite, uh, over under 53. Really good Auburn team. Uh, you know, I mean, they kind of showed that down the stretch. You know, Minnesota had, you know, Minnesota was 10-0 at one time, and they, they stumble in those last couple of games. I think I think they're going to have a big crowd there. I think it, it, it's going to be kind of a high game. I think I think Auburn wins, but I think it's a close game. I think Minnesota gives them a battle, and I think they're plus seven in this game, and I, I think that's what you got to take. Then we have, oddly scheduled on Thursday, January <laughs> 2nd, the Gator Bowl, Tennessee, Indiana, 6 p.m. ESPN. You know, this, is, this is a deceptively good Indiana team, I think. They're a one-and-a-half-point underdog, Tennessee one-and-a-half-point favorite, over-under 52. I really I really think that, that the Hoosiers probably play well in the game. This is another one of those where I think a lot of people go for Indiana, and I think I think they get it. They they've played well all year. Tennessee's been kind of up and down. I you know for Tennessee this has kind of been there and done that for them going to the to the Gator Bowl for Indiana. This is you know their first time there. I think you know I, I think Indiana wins this one. I think they I think you take the Hoosiers plus one and a half. Okay, let's go back now. Friday, December twenty seventh, seven p.m. kick FS one. The Holiday Bowl. The Hawkeyes are back in San Diego. Number sixteen Iowa. Number twenty two USC Iowa. One of the better defenses in the country, USC. Very prolific offense, especially with its passing game. What's the scoop? Hawkeyes are two-point favorite, over under 52 and a half. I, I think Iowa wins this one easily. I think I think USC is kind of, you know, I mean, they, they're, they you know, they got a coach, you know, that the, they say is coming back next year. I mean, there's still a lot of questions on, on what that staff looks like. I think this is a USC team that I think if, if Iowa punches them in the mouth early, I think maybe they go away. So I'm going to take the Hawkeyes in this one uh, at minus two and a half or minus two, I guess, uh, over under 52 and a half. I think this one might be an over. I think Iowa puts up some points in this game. So uh, weather's supposed to be 61 degrees and sunny. You know, game time will be five o'clock out there. I think it'd be a nice day. You know, I think Iowa strikes.
picks early, and I think they win this one pretty easily. Time now for our feature with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve previews the matchups in the Holiday Bowl between Iowa's offense and USC's defense. Steve, let's dig right into Iowa's offense versus the USC defense matchup. USC, most of the publicity this season is related to their offense. Their defense has struggled from time to time, given up uh, points, and um, has not helped with the turnover margin that USC has accumulated during the course of the season. They've given up a fair number of fumbles and interceptions, and they're minus seven in that regard. And So, what does Iowa's offense have to do to win this game, control the clock, keep the USC offense? off the field starts with running the football i mean that's that's you know that's i was bread and butter and and uh, as brian ferentz alluded to a, a couple of days ago out here you know iowa's ideal situation is to be able to to work that clock and run the ball and and it doesn't really seem to matter who they're they're playing against that that will remain uh, the objective number one and uh you know how effective iowa is in in doing that will uh, probably go a long way in determining the outcome of this game uh you know the, certainly usc's offense is so potent and 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 uh, it's such a big play threat that that uh, you you need to uh, to be able to to kind of grind out some some time whether that be with the running game or the short passing game which I think we'll see quite a bit of as well those types of things to to uh, possess the football and and do what I was done a fairly solid job with this season uh, that, that'll be big uh, in in this matchup the Hawkeyes come into this game averaging 23.8 points per game USC's defense giving up 27.8 and to your point in terms of rushing, the Hawks' uh, rushing numbers are 139 and a half a game. USC is giving up 166.5 rushing yards per game. So there is hope there for Iowa maybe being able to run the ball a little bit better than they have much of this season. It's, you know, it's a defense that's allowed over 400 yards per game. Now, some of that you know, is a function of how, how West Coast teams tend to play, but there should be some opportunities for, for Iowa to, to move the football in this game. And, you know, a, a healthy uh, a situation developing with uh, Brandon Smith uh, apparently ready to go and, and uh, looking like it, it may be back in the lineup this week is, is certainly a, a benefit to a, to a receiving core that has uh, you know, picked up some pretty valuable experience this year. And you, you pair him out there with uh, uh, Amir Smith-Marset and, and Nico Regani, and you know Iowa has some possibilities, and, and uh, the, the ability to to blend that with uh, uh, with what Tyler Goodson brings to the field, I think that's uh, uh, at the running back spot. That that's going to be big for Iowa. Goodson has been the starter the last few games, and you've seen less time, more spot time, really, for Mackay Sargent and Torin Young. The offense. With Nate Stanley at quarterback, he's got a chance to uh, go 3-0 and as a starting quarterback for the Hawkeyes. That's kind of rarefied error. And uh, he has, in spite of throwing seven interceptions all year, he's, uh, that's against 14 touchdowns, and he's averaging 228 yards a game through the year. As you mentioned, the importance of getting Brandon Smith back, it's not just him, though. It's really overall, this is a pretty healthy Iowa team going into this bowl game. Yeah, uh, you know, a few little nicks and bumps 
bumps and, and, and some, you know, just minor stuff, but it looks like uh, it will be pretty much all hands on deck on Friday night. And, and uh, you know, that that's certainly a positive at this point in the season. It, it's been an Iowa team that has stayed fairly healthy. And, you know, certainly Nate Stanley has, has remained fairly healthy throughout his career. And, and uh, that's, uh, that, that's one of the reasons that uh, this collection of, of, of fifth-year seniors have been able to uh, accumulate 46 wins as a group. And, you know, that's, uh, that's something that uh, is a pretty special thing to this bunch. And, and getting to that 10-win plateau, that's been a goal since uh, since that tough loss to Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, these guys have kind of answered the bell. And, and they've done it in some respects with, with an improved rushing attack. If you take a look at what Iowa was able to do against both Illinois and Nebraska, their ability to kind of get, a, get some things going on the ground, I think, has been beneficial. Some of that starts up front with just a little more consistency and, and better health uh, on the offensive line. I think that's made a difference. Uh, the, you know, the return of, of Kyler Schott uh, is making a difference at one of the guard positions. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, you, you've got a pair of all Big Ten caliber tackles in, in, in Worst and Alaric Jackson that, uh, you know, have been getting it done all season. Might be uh, Tristan Worst's last game as a Hawkeye. We'll see how that unfolds in terms of leaving early for the NFL. As we've talked about the last half of the season, ever since Brandon Smith went out, you've seen those other uh, three receivers, the primary three receivers, Regani, Smith, Marset, and Tracy really step up. They performed probably beyond expectations, really. Certainly a solid receiving core. Yeah, it's really a group that's kind of uh, matured as the season has gone along. I mean, you've got a couple of juniors in, in Smith, Marset, and, and Brandon Smith that, uh, you know, they've been through it. This is their third season, and, and uh, you, you would expect them to kind of take that next step. And, and when Brandon Smith did get hurt, what we saw was we saw, uh, you know, Tyrone Tracy and, and uh, Nico Regani, a couple of guys who had, who had uh, you know, had spot duty a year ago and step into to larger roles this season. And, uh, you know, they certainly accepted uh, some of the responsibility that goes with uh, uh, handling, uh, you know, whatever comes their way. And, and uh, talking to uh, uh, a couple of the receivers this week, one of the things that they brought up is, is that the expectation is when your number is called, you're going to deliver. And, and uh, Coach Copeland, uh, uh, you know, doesn't really sell for less. And, and so the bar has been raised. And, and, and these guys, for the most part, have done a decent job of delivering on that uh, expectation. If you're an Iowa fan, you probably haven't seen a lot of USC games, especially if you're an Iowa fan in the Midwest. Their leading tackler is, and this is another one of these, we've seen this in a, against a few teams this year, where the leading tackler is not just the leading tackler, he's by a lot. In this case, John Houston, their, one of their starting linebackers, has 100 total tackles. Uh, next up is 24 behind. So talk a little bit about what fans should look for in terms of the USC defense, and we'll skip maybe pronouncing a bunch of the names, but uh, active linebackers and um, an active uh, defensive line as well. Yeah, absolutely. This this is a group that uh, has had a lot of moving pieces throughout the course of the season. Uh, one of the things that Brian Ferentz was quick to point out earlier this week was as you watch this USC defense from start to finish in the season, it was almost like watching two different groups. Uh, it became a much younger defense over the course of the season. Some of that was necessitated by injuries. Some of that uh, it was just a matter of performance. And, and uh, the defense that's playing right now, he, he feels, is, is – uh, 
uh, you know, probably uh, as solid as it's been. Uh, there's a reason that they've been successful in, in, in winning five of their last six games. And um, a lot of that certainly had to do with, with what they've been able to do offensively, but uh, they've also been able to, to hold people off uh, defensively and get things done as well. And yeah, certainly John Houston is, is uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys, but that uh, is getting a lot of attention, but they've got, uh, you know, they've got a, a collection of 75 tackles for a loss and, and 33 sacks, and, and it's not just one or two guys that's been doing it. Uh, uh, Drake Jackson is, is a guy that uh, uh, leads them in tackles for a loss, uh, 11 and a half on the season. He's got five and a half sacks. The uh, John Houston kid is is another uh, very active uh, guy. He's forced to fumble, broken up three passes. They're, they're a, a defense. It's uh, it's built on aggression. It's built on quickness and athleticism, and, and certainly it, it's been built on, on improvement over the course of, of a lengthy season. And you, you take a look, and, and you're right. A lot of those uh, a lot of those guys are, are guys who uh, you know maybe aren't household names for folks. Yeah, when, when you when you look at, at, at USC, I mean they they have so many guys that are just so active. Uh, uh, the interior of that defensive line, Marlon Tia Pugh. Tui Puloto, Tui Puloto, Tui Puloto, Marlon Tui Puloto has has been a consistent uh, dominant force out of the nose tackle position. His running mate up front, Jay uh, Tufile, uh, are are two guys that uh, both played in the Army All-American Bowl with with, uh, Tristan Wirfs and A.J. Epinesa a couple of years ago. They've both been extremely productive since moving into the lineup. It's a, it's a combination that uh, uh, certainly, uh, you know, they love to be active up the middle, and that's something that I was the interior of that Iowa offensive line is going to have to be aware of uh, is where some of that aggression comes from. It's not necessarily coming out of the defensive end positions, and, and uh, that, that, that's, uh, that'll be a little unique, and that's something that's given Iowa some issues from time to time this season when when uh, you know the defensive tackles have been the more active uh, uh, pass rushers and that type of thing. So uh, you know certainly Nate Stanley will have to keep his eye on those guys as well. But, uh, uh, it's uh, you know it, it's an interesting collection of, of talent on the on the back end as well. You look at at. Uh, a group of of, uh, of four sophomores and, and occasionally a redshirt freshman that are in the lineup for them, uh, whether they go with four or five D backs, and, and it, it's uh, you know it's a type of thing that uh, you know Isaiah Pola Mao is uh, a sophomore at a free safety spot. He's he's uh, their third leading tackler at 68, picked off four passes, broken up a couple more. He's a guy that uh, certainly uh, you know is somebody that uh, has the ability to to caused some issues for Iowa's pass game and, and uh, you know he's not alone they, they, they're, a, they're a deep team and, and some of these roster moves that they've made and lineup changes uh, what that's done is it's created some of it's been injury driven some of it's just been performance driven but one of the things it's done is it's given them a lot of fresh legs to keep on the field and that's uh, uh, you know something that as the game progresses on Friday uh, you know I was going to have to deal with it at some point in time. It's interesting to look at some of these defenses in terms of how aggressive they are and as the season went along you know we talked a lot about well Iowa doesn't have a lot of sacks this year but what they do have is they have a whole lot of tackles for loss and quarterback hurries that make up 
up for you know some of the sacks that the numbers that they had in the past didn't have this year. So when you add those three categories together for Iowa's defense, they're sitting at 124. When you add those three categories to, and we know how good Iowa's defense is, but when you add those three categories together for USC, they're sitting at 114. So you know you can have an aggressive defense and just get there in different ways. Pretty interesting to look at those numbers. Absolutely, that, that, that's one of those things that uh, you know a lot of it is is built around what kind of personnel you might have at a given point in time. And you know the USC uh, personnel, their strength is kind of up the middle of the defense, whereas Iowa's strength may be more uh, coming from the perimeter. It's uh, you know it, it creates interest, interesting matchups within the game, and you know I think this is another one of those uh, uh, situations where uh, you know the USC defense has given up yards, um, it has given up some points, uh, whereas Iowa's defense has been uh, certainly uh, much more stingy in terms of keeping people off the scoreboard. And you know if Iowa can continue to do that, I think it puts them in a pretty good position uh, in this matchup. But uh, uh, this is a USC team that. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Pac-12 and the country is, is going to have to deal with over the next couple of years because it's a very young football team, and, um, and they certainly have some uh, some exceptional skill. Just one more stat in comparison to throw out there. You just mentioned it. Trojans' defense ranks 84th in the FBS, giving up over 415 yards per game. But then Iowa's offense is 98th, just totaling just under 370 yards a game. So we'll see what gives there. So who has the edge in this matchup? Iowa's offense, USC's defense. I, I think that Iowa's offense, if it can, if it can muster, uh, you know, the type of success that it's had on the ground the last couple of times out, I think Iowa's offense has a bit of an edge in this matchup. Um, I, I think it's a, uh, not an overwhelming edge. Um, Iowa's going to have to be on top of its game, but if it is, I think it has a, a, a slight edge in this area, uh, in part because it has a senior quarterback who's, who's been through the wars before. It has a little bit of motivation in terms of trying to get 10 wins and, and uh, do some things that uh, Iowa football teams haven't done in a while in terms of, of winning three straight bowl games, You know, getting to that 10-win plateau, winning that 47th game as a, as a senior class. Uh, those, are the, those are things that uh, you know, kids can take with them and, and uh, you know, savor for the rest of their, their days. And, and uh, you know, I think it's something that is pretty important to this football team. Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Our Holiday Bowl special continues now with Scott Doctorman. You can read Scott's articles online at theathletic.com slash team slash Iowa dash Hawkeyes. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Doctorman. Scott previews the matchups between Iowa's defense and USC's offense. Scott, we're going to look at the Iowa defense versus the USC offense. The Trojans, an extremely prolific passing offense, but a little more anemic in their ground game. This is a big matchup for the Hawks, who give up 13.2 points a game against a Southern Cal that averages 33.2 points per game. I think this is where the game is won and lost between these two teams. And really, it comes down to, can Iowa slow down USC's uh, passing attack? And and the question is, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, it's going to be really that, that undecided until we really we watch the game. I mean, you know, they, they go traditionally, they are a three to four wide receiver team this year. And Michael Pittman is the best of the bunch by far and away. And he's going to be very difficult to stop. He's, he's very, very good in, in so many different areas. But, but really what has changed this offense to why they've won, I think, five out of the last six games is, is Keaton Slovis. They're a true freshman quarterback who completes at a 72% rate. He's got 28 touchdowns, averages almost 300 yards a game. And he had an incredible game in the finale against UCLA, their crosstown rival, with 515 yards. And four receivers had more than 100 yards receiving for the first time in USC history. So this is a, a very prolific offense through the air. And if you look at you know Iowa traditionally, you, you kind of would like that matchup. They don't tend to get beat a lot on big plays. Uh, they have a decent pass rush. And, and so I think this is a matchup that I think Iowa can compete in. But I also think they're, they could be vulnerable if they do not get too slow as very often. So uh, this is where the game, in my opinion, it will be won or lost. The other interesting thing here, well, besides the fact that on the ground, uh, they average just 128 yards, which is 110th in the FBS. But it's um, if you look at the turnover margin, Scott, this is a really, a really big difference between these two teams. Iowa sitting at plus six, USC at minus seven. Uh, they've had 23 turnovers, including uh, throwing 14 picks, nine of those by Slovis. Yeah, and, and here's where Iowa has a clear advantage, and it's in those areas, the margins, that I think, uh, you know, Iowa does so well in year in and year out and game in and game out. And USC kind of shows its lack of discipline. One, as you mentioned, is turnover margin. They're minus seven, Iowa's plus six. That's a 13 turnover difference. Uh, Iowa's 25th in the country, 112th. I mean, that, that's huge. The other one, and I think this is even more pronounced, and I think this could really impact the game even more so, is, is penalties. Iowa's fourth in the country in only 33 yards per game, whereas USC is 124th. They allow 71 yards of penalties per game. So that could be anything from false starts to personal fouls. And the fact that they more than double what Iowa is allowed you know, in, in penalties, and then they traditionally give the ball up more often. And when you're talking about Iowa and the way that they uh, take care of the ball, it, it also leads to more productive possessions on defense uh, because then you know a false start forces them into a passing situation, which enables them to get into better coverage and get a true pass rush rather than playing two different types of uh, you know styles up front. So I think uh, you know everything feeds into one side of the ball or the other. But uh, the fact is that uh, USC is was undisciplined, does not run the ball very well, and Iowa is good in both of those areas. You mentioned the wide receiver Pittman. They've got three other wide receivers that have racked up some pretty big numbers this season too. And like you said, they run three, four wide receiver sets. Yeah, that's their primary uh, formation. So we'll expect to see at minimum a uh, in the cash personnel for Iowa. They're going to be in four two five exclusively. The only time I don't see them in that in that type of uh, uh, personnel grouping will be in in third and short or. or goal line situations uh, because they do run, you know, 10 personnel, which is four wide receivers, one running back. Sometimes it's only three and a tight end, but primarily it's, it's four wide receivers. And, and Pittman, uh, I know I'm on the Blitnikoff Award Committee. Uh, he was a finalist, 95 catches, 1,222 uh, yards, 11 touchdowns. Is just tremendous. I mean, he is a bona fide NFL wide receiver. I think he's probably the best Iowa's faced. And when it really comes to uh, what USC has, it's the only 
wide receiver group that's come close to them is probably Minnesota. So this is this is a unique challenge to Iowa secondary, which prides itself on not giving up big plays, making teams work to beat them. And if they can do that, then Iowa has an excellent chance of winning this game and, and beating USC's pass offense. But if Iowa gets caught, and they're going to give up a few big plays, I'm sure, but if they limit those, then, you know, uh, that, that's where Iowa, I think, has a clear advantage. If we uh, see the, a lot of the cash, almost exclusively, who do you think you're going to see playing that position? Oh, it's Dane Belton. He's earned that position, and a uh, true freshman has done really well this year. I think he's come, you know, by midseason, he was playing well enough to, to throw away the red shirt, and he's been starting there pretty much exclusively since. So I think you'll see him the majority of the time, but I would not be surprised to see them using dime personnel quite a bit. You know, potentially, you know, a Riley Moss in there, or Terry uh, Roberts, or, or Julius Brents, or, you know, even DJ Johnson covering more often because it would not surprise me at all if you, if you saw dime, you know, six defensive backs in there on on several plays, just because it's going to be a challenge for Iowa to defend those receivers. As good as Iowa has been, the, the athletic ability of, of Tyler Bonds and Amon Ron St. Brown, both of them are, are just incredible. So th- th- I think that's, you'll probably see a, quite a bit more, five, you know, six pack, uh, defender packages, defensive back packages than we've seen all year. I think another key, obviously, is going to be trying to make a Slovis at least a little bit uncomfortable. And you and I have talked all season long about the fact that, you know, there's many ways you can be aggressive on defense. And Iowa doesn't have a ton of sacks defensively this season, but it's got a lot of tackles for loss and a whole bunch of quarterback hurries. This is a... from a production standpoint, Iowa is really taking some steps forward. I mean, you know, they're up to 27 sacks, and that's pretty impressive. Uh, last year, they were at 35, which was the second highest in the Ferris era. But early on, I mean, they really did not put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, and it cost them. And, but A.J. Epineza, as of late, has really come alive. I mean, he's, you know, up to nine sacks, and he had 10 and a half last year and uh, a couple in the bowl game. So he's, I expect him to, uh, to, to really have a, a really good battle, though with Austin Jackson, the left tackle for USC. Uh, Tremendous player, both of them are potential first round draft picks. I think Epineza is for sure. I'm not so sure about Jackson. So, but we'll see that battle and how uh, Epineza competes against him. I think will tell us a lot about whether Iowa is able to to make you know Slovis uh, uncomfortable in the pocket. And if they can and and neutralize any options to run, then I, I think that they'll uh, you know they'll be able to, to you know do some good things against a, a really young quarterback. Another kind of neat, interesting story in the second half of the season has been how Joe Evans at defensive end has come on in uh, limited playing time. He only has seven total tackles, but four of those are tackles for loss, and he's also added four sacks. Yeah, he's been really good as that designated pass rusher off the edge. That's a it's a new wrinkle in Iowa's defense that they've decided to, to use more of a stand-up guy, and a lot of it is pass rush, but a lot of it is also uh, to stop jet sweep action that they figure if a guy, instead of in a three-point stance, may not be susceptible to that. It's somebody in the two-point stance, you know, on the weak side might have more of an opportunity to see what's coming at him a little bit easier. So it's it's kind of an evolution, if you will. And, and early on, that role was Monty Jones. But since uh, uh, midseason, Joe Evans has assumed that role and really played it well. And I think he's got an incredible future in Iowa playing that role. So this is, a, you know, I think this is going to be, a, you know, he's going to be used a lot. There's going to be a lot of passing situations. So I'd expect him to be on the field, um, you know, probably 
play in double-digit uh, territory on, on Friday night. You mentioned him a couple of minutes ago. Are we probably seeing the last game A.J. Epinesa plays in an Iowa uniform? I think so. I mean, he's he wanted to get his paperwork, so it means he was interested in knowing it. And, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten his word back, but he said he wanted to know specifically what the NFL scouts said about him. And I think he'll find out that they say good things. <laughs> Certainly, uh, you know, most scouts I know have him in the neighborhood of the second or third best tight uh, defensive end available, which usually means a top 10 pick, which means a heck of a lot of money. So I would expect him to forego his senior year and, and go to the NFL draft. And, you know, what a game-changing player he's been over his three years. It's kind of like blink and he's gone. But I tell you what, uh, you know, a high-level person, high-level football player, you know, he's been he's been outstanding for the Hawkeyes. Great family, too. And you'd be hard-pressed to not want him to take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be really selfish. It's easy for us to have to think, oh, yeah, I, I you know, I'd think I, he should be a hawk for life or something. Yeah, easy for you to say if, if you got $20 million riding on your decision, because what happens if high ankle sprain or God forbid an ACL and then he's out, you know, so I, I think he's gone. I think everybody should wish him well and uh, accept the infomercial that will be coming his way and probably for another player and in, uh, in early and in late April. Okay, so who has the edge here? Iowa's defense, USC's offense. <laughs> Can I go push? I might have to go push on this one. I do think that, that this is the matchup that we're going to have to, just, you know, that we'll, we'll decide the outcome of the game, barring some crazy turnovers or something. I think we, we know Iowa's probably in offensively and for the somewhere in between 17 and 28 points. So it's really going to come down to can the defense slow down uh, USC. I think they can, but I also think USC is capable of going for big points. So I hate to straddle the line, but I'm going to go push because I just I, I don't know. And I and I think whatever the result will be will be because of this matchup. We asked John Bonenkamp, Steve Batterson, and Scott Docterman to make their predictions for the Iowa-USC Holiday Bowl game. Here they are in that order. I, I think USC's passing game gives gives Iowa's defense some problems maybe early, but I think the Hawkeyes will figure out, and, and I think they've got some adjustments planned if they don't already have some things already in, in the bag. I think they have the emotional edge in this game with everything going on you know, here in the last few weeks uh, with, with Hayden Fry and Hayden Fry's passing and all that other stuff. I'm going to go Iowa 34, USC 17. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be like a lot of other Iowa football games that we've seen this season. I think it's going to be a fairly close and competitive type game. I, I think if I was able to uh, to uh, you know work the clock the way it has in, in, on a number of occasions this season, I, I think the Iowa offense is strong enough to uh, to uh, grind out enough points to uh, to make a difference. And I think, certainly think the Iowa defense has been consistent enough to to take uh, take a, a potent USC offense and knock it down to size a little bit. M- much as, as it was able to do against you know virtually every Big Ten opponent it faced this season, uh, when when you're giving up uh, uh, you know the, the the minimal amount of points that Iowa's allowed this season, it's uh, you you turn games into close type situations that are decided in the fourth quarter. I think that's how this one will be decided. And, you know, I, I, I think uh, uh, having a kicker with the consistency of Keith Duncan is is, is a very important uh, factor in, in this matchup. Uh, it, it's been wet in San Diego all week. It'll be a grass surface, but uh, 
uh, it, it was wet and it was uh, a little slick at Iowa State on the grass when Iowa played there back in September. So uh, I, I think, uh, um, you know, this one is, is Iowa probably by a field goal, probably a 24-21 kind of score. I'm going to go with Iowa, and I think it's because of the intangibles here that we've discussed. Uh, I, I, I think I, I think USC is going to get some big plays, but I think Iowa is also going to be able to shut them down. The question is, can USC be disciplined enough in critical junctures to stop Iowa? You know, not have penalties, not turn over the football, and and Iowa, you could say that they will, but I but USC, I don't think you can. So I think it's going to come down to a late field goal. I like Iowa, 27-24. Keith Duncan with another game winner. Break out the champagne! It's in the bag! The fat lady has left the building! Our thanks again, as always, to our regulars on Hawkeyes, Mike, Scott Docterman, Steve Batterson, and John Bonenkamp. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes, Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 13 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.